evening. Welcome to the War Memorial Opera House and tonight's performance of Onegin. On behalf of San Francisco Ballet Artistic Director and Principal Choreographer Helgi Thomason, I am pleased to welcome all of you here to San Francisco Ballet's performance of Onegin and tonight's Meet the Artist interview. Today is Friday, February 6, 2016. I'm your host, Jasmine Yep Huynh. I'm the manager of youth programs and teacher support in the Department of Education and Training here at San Francisco Ballet. Uh, just a few reminders and housekeeping notes uh, for our audience before we get started. Uh, today's interview is part of the Meet the Artist series. It's the last Friday evening performance um, of the season, and we have one more Meet the Artist on Sunday matinee before that performance on Mother's Day. Um, and we have a number of other engaging and exciting ed education programs for adults, for families, for children. So I encourage you to visit page 12 in your program books to find out more information or visit sfballet.org. I'd also like to welcome our online listeners. Uh, these Meet the Artist interviews and the Points of View on Wednesday interviews are available as podcasts online. So you can, again, visit sfballet.org. So thank you for joining us. And now for the main event, what all of you are here to um, see and hear. Ladies and gentlemen, please join me in welcoming um, our interview guest today. I'm going to get the order right. Principal character dancer, ballet master, and assistant to the artistic director, Ricardo Bustamante. Welcome, Ricardo. Hello, everybody. Welcome. So excited to have you. Thank you for coming and joining us on your night off. I know it's very Thank rare. You, Jasmine. <laughs> um, so you've had a long, wonderful career and your journey with San Francisco Ballet, and I kind of want to remind our audience about that. It's been 35 years with San Francisco Ballet. Um, Ricardo was born in Colombia, and he started training ballet when you were eight years old about that. Um, in 1980, he joined San Francisco Ballet. He was a principal dancer here before joining ABT. And you were um, with ABT for nine years. Is that correct? And then he returned to San Francisco Ballet as a faculty member in the San Francisco Ballet School. Then he left San Francisco. And he went to Argentina, uh, served as the artistic director of Ballet Teatro Colón. And then he went to Chile in 2002 to 2003, um, where he directed and choreographed for the Ballet de Santiago. And then he came back to San Francisco in 2003 um, as ballet master. And he currently wears many hats here as principal character dancer. I'm sure you've seen him on stage in many different roles, um, behind the scenes as ballet master and working very hard as the assistant to Helgi Thomason. Did I miss anything? No, that's about it. <laughs> Well, we are very fortunate to have you um, from being an artist with the company to being a faculty member in the school and, of course, all the hard work that you do here as a ballet master. Um, take us kind of the abbreviated version of the role of a ballet master, um, not just for this ballet specifically, but in general from classes to rehearsal process and to what they see on stage. Well, ballet mastering is a, um, a very unique uh, role in the way that you um, need to have a lot of dedication um, since you are responsible for staging works, learning works, learning everybody's steps, understanding what the choreographer's intention is, 
and to carry on that legacy as if it were a Bible, um, a book that is written and that is to stay like that and restage time and time again until the choreographer comes and says, I'd like to do something different here. But um, you preserve, you restore, you curate ballet. That's basically. Uh, we have a very long schedule um, with the company. I also teach company class, which I absolutely love. Um, since it is the one time during the day that we all get together, we get to see the entire company, and we join on an effort to call ourselves ballet dancers on that morning, and day after day, and month after month, year after year. The reinvention of your body and the sort of applying the principles of dance is something that it takes a lot of, a lot of work and a lot of focus. So um, I have the privilege to start the day with the dancers and have the delicate job of providing to them a way to articulate, breathe, relax, push, look, feel, and kind of orientate them through movement. Um, movement that is most likely based on the repertoire that we're performing at the time. Um, when I prepare a class, say we're doing Onegin, so I would do a lot of uh, footwork for the guys, which is not usual. I will concentrate on purity of line, since the men have uh, very difficult variations on the floor. And I will do beautiful adagios, since there are beautiful adagios in here to do. Anyway, the day goes on, and you work on, say, for instance, Onegin, three acts, so many scenes scene after scene, so um, Anita, Betsy, Katita, Felipe, and Helgi, we all join in sharing the, the responsibilities of the production to bring it alive. And that's what you do day in, day out. Um, one of the most difficult things is to do the current repertoire and then to focus on what's next, because what's next implies casting, thinking of those people who need to be doing these roles, um, to also take into consideration after long debates and conversations to listen to the choreographer's wish to whom should be cast in the role. So that's also time consuming. Um, anyway, you're there just, you know, 24 seven. <laughs> I love that. Um you talked how you change class based on what they're working on, whether it's the rehearsal process or the performance process. Um, Ricardo, you were mic'd. I don't know how much you enjoy doing that, but we had an open company class on Sunday. And um, so if you ever have an opportunity to come to those open company classes, I think we have one every May, do come because Ricardo is so nice in that he shares kind of the process during class as well as working with the student or working with our company members um, and really getting them prepared for that matinee performance. So it's, it's a great opportunity. It's, it's also a great event, um, not so much for the dancers because you don't want to be seen when you just woke up and your hair is up here and you know, you saw the glamour of last night's performance and you say, oh, let's see what they look like in the morning taking class. <laughs> and you're like, who's that again? No. <laughs> I like those sweatpants. Wait, where can I get that? Um, I love that you also said that your role 
is to preserve, restore, and curate. And you're really inheriting something and, and bringing it back to life. Um, for Onegin, it's a huge production. It's beautiful and it's wonderful. And John Cranko has created a masterpiece. But I'm sure that one ballet master can't do it all. How do you divide the work of this two-and-a-half-hour ballet with so many... Um, meaty roles for our principal dancers and fun uh, pieces for our core. How does, how do all of the ballet masters do that? And then how do you bring it together? Yeah, um, say for instance, uh, Reed Anderson, who is responsible for the staging of um, the John Cranco Onegin, as well as um, uh, Jane Bourne, who originally staged the, the piece five years ago, they themselves decide on, oh, you know, Anita and Katita and Ricardo, can you do the principles? And let's, let's have you do this couple and that couple and that couple. And, um, you know, and also Betsy is taking care of the, of the core. And um, for any given production, uh, there are different dynamics on relationships and also on, on the history that you have with the ballet. Yeah, in Buenos Aires and Santiago de Chile, um, during five years of directorship, I had this production on both of the companies. So my history with, with the Cranco Ballets is very, very long. And it was through the Cranco Ballets that I was invited to La Scala in Milan to dance uh, for, for uh, three consecutive years. And so I know the Cranco style very well. I've danced it. I was rehearsed to death. On, the, on, on all the roles that I did, and I have an ongoing relationship and love for this type of tradition um, and style of, of ballet that we so seldom see in the United States. So my relationship with Reed and with Dieter Graffe, who um, handles the trust, also brings about the trust for them to say, Ricardo, okay, you know, you be part of it. Um, in 2012, Onegin joined the San Francisco Ballet Repertoire. How is it different as a ballet master now that you've had a long history with this production um, before it even came to San Francisco Ballet and then working on it again four years later? Um, there, there are different choices that, say, uh, Reed Anderson, artistic director of the Stuttgart Ballet, and who has danced it himself. Uh, Reed Anderson danced it at the Stuttgart. He was casted to do Onegat at 19. And he's danced it through, you know, where Masha uh, Heide and, and uh, Natalia Makaroba. I mean, he has an incredible uh, history. And in this dramatic works, regardless how, how impeccable the technique or style or the choreography are to remain, there's a lot of lead way for interpretation and for the passion to take place and for expression to abound in many different ways. And so that's the difference. On direction, um, Jane staged the one way and gives it a perfect setup for people to understand and place themselves within the work. Reed had all these experiences and all of a sudden he says, oh, but look at Vanessa Zahorian and David Carpetti and the two of them dancing. Uh, look at their beautiful chemistry. They should do this. And, and he gives something different. He was um, very, very careful and very, very generous on the way he uh, rehearsed each one of the couples. I mean, with, to no limit, you know, endless hours and, and given nuances of how you should do a certain step 
or how you should preserve certain step, being that you're giving yourself the freedom to do something different that he doesn't recognize. And he's the main authority, we all listen, and we all inherit this, this knowledge. And uh, that's one of the most beautiful parts of the job. That, take for instance, you love a film, and uh, suddenly there's a play about the film, and there's a new book, a contemporary version of it. You will read it, right? And you will go, oh, and you identify uh, with this character, I know this other character, and uh, your curiosity, curiosity um, makes you better. And, um, and people's interpretations teach you much more about the work. I feel like I've, I've, I love it so much more now that I see five years later after those experiences, these performances that are happening now, and the dancers themselves are teaching me how to look at the ballet. Beautiful. Um, we had, uh, in some of our program notes, um, I think they're in the printed program, Gennady had mentioned that he went back and reread it um, in Russian and how powerful and meaningful it was. And I think it said something in, and I'm going to paraphrase, like, I wish all the dancers could, could read it in Russian um, so that, you know, that portrayal of the character and, um, and he does both Lenski and Onegin, correct? No, just Lenski. Just Lenski. Um, how he, he can really um, attack and create those characters. And these, are, these aren't lighthearted sugar plum fairies on stage. There's a lot of drama in Onegin, if this is your first time seeing it. Yeah, Maria Kochikova was saying that too. And I do respect, um, because uh, this is literature that um, it is very new to me, you know, from, because of my Latin American background, and then to have learned um, Pushkin read it and see it, and uh, there's so much value to when I reread the book and when I get to direct it when it's in my hands and uh, take rehearsals and, uh, and see how people interpret the same words or the same step in a different way simply because they feel different. So, but uh, it's a work that has so much depth. So shameless plug, if you come on Saturday or Sunday and see a different cast, It'll be a different experience. Come join us again. Um, or, or a few times. I know I've seen a few familiar faces. Um, Ricardo, you, uh, I think you quoted John Cranko as saying, the story is the icing, not the cake. Talk about that. Do you remember, do you remember that quote? Yeah. Yeah, well, it's very much of what, you know, to what I'm, I'm saying. Um, you could be given the guidelines, you know, okay, be Romeo or be Drosemeyer or you know, or be Tatiana, uh, it's what you make of it. Uh, this, is, this is the most beautiful thing about classical ballet and doing the full-length works and the traditional ballets, the, the ballets that, that have been made it through history, through great dancers and great interpretations, for you to be given that vehicle and how fortunate that uh, we have it in our rep for our dancers to have it in their rep and in turn, uh, they would be the ones passing on the legacy and with a vast, um, you know, amount of information. And as I, and as I say, you know, that's the cake. Uh, when somebody comes off stage and I said, I felt this, and, you, you know, and, you're, and you're passionate, but you, and you're trembling, and you're like, you were wonderful. And, um, and yeah, they've, that's, that's what I mean by that saying. Get your Kleenex ready, it'll make you cry. Um, we have fans who are 
tweeting online and, and on our Facebook saying that you know it's absolute perfection, captivating, thrilling, gorgeous, powerful, and passionate. I agree with all these things. Onegin is that. Um, what can the audience, or what should the audience look for, um, maybe in Act Two in the mirror scene where um, she's writing the letter and the beautiful Padada? Okay, so the mirror Padada actually happens at the end of Act One, um, and. In it, she has she's infatuated by uh, by Onegin and has fallen in love with this uh, man who is very worldly and and, and gorgeous. And um, up to this point, she was only being interested in books and and nothing really tickled her fancy. Her sister tr tries to get her to dance. Her mother tried to get her, get her um, to to join in, and she cared nothing but to read but to read. And when Onegin appears. Um, he appears to be the very essence of this romantic novel she reads. And so when she goes into this dream, begins to uh, fantasize that she is this woman, the perfect woman for him in a dream, and they have the most l loveliest, most uh, uh, relaxed and beautiful potida. So that's what goes on. And you know, later on she wakes up, and it was all a dream, but it gives her the, it gives her the courage to say, basically in my poor in English to say, you know, perhaps um, I should write a letter and express, you know, give this letter to Onegin. And she gets the courage and sends that letter to Onegin after her dream. So second act, it's much different, but that's in short what happens. <laughs> letters are very important in this ballet. I wish people would write more letters. Um, before we move on to next season, um, is there anything else that the audience should really look for um, in Onegin while they're watching it so that they can experience everything that a ballet master wants them to? Yes, I want you to appreciate the music. Close your eyes once in a while, really listen what the instruments are saying, look into the stage and follow the plot and you'll you find out that this arrangement that which comes directly from the piano and has been arranged for for the ballet, it makes absolute glorious, dramatic, and uh, literary sense. And it's for, for you, if you don't know it, it's just so incredible. This is why it's called a masterpiece. It is so simple and so abundant with all the poetry that it's supposed to have inside. I appreciate the sets. I love the sets. Um, Santo Loquesto has done a marvelous job, and he takes you through the different um, places, and the set doesn't change all that much, but also the lighting gives you the atmosphere that is just um, absolutely poetic. I think that the lighting, um, it's really, really something to appreciate. Notice what the core of the ballet is doing. They do all this um, Russian dances, and then they get into the third act, and they do, do these incredible ballroom dances, and which require very different techniques and lifts. There's a lot of partnering. But there is a definite style to it. You know, there's, it's, it's, it's a little bit contained. It's a little bit, it doesn't want, mean to, want to be, um, almost too loud, but it has so much expression. And I love the way he handles the, the, the core of the ballet formations, whether in a peasant dance or aristocrats in the third act. And to me, that's mesmerizing. I love the chandeliers, I love the candlelight, I love that there's somebody writing, that she's writing right in front of you, that there is a whole scene where she's thinking about him and, the, and you just get to watch, you know, Tatiana. 
um, and check out in the second act when there's this busy, 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 busy with, with lots of people and check out the five characters. Prince Gremin who comes into the scene and is introduced to Tatiana. What happens to Tatiana? She's looking across and Oniegan is, you know, somewhat suffocated by the attention of this young girl. And what happens to Madame Larinska? You know, she's trying to get, you know, Tatiana to have Gremin as his, her love interest. And it is so rich, it's a fantastic play. Thank you. I'm, I'm ready. Everyone ready for this beautiful production? Um, the characters are so rich, uh, and the dancers have an opportunity to really dive into some wonderful characters in this production um, with some, such an emotional journey, especially for Tatiana. So um, I think that's thank you for all of those hints of things to look at. Um, if you're just joining us, uh, we are in conversation and listening to Ricardo Bustamante talk about Onegin. Ricardo is a ballet master, um, principal, principal character dancer, and assistant to the artistic director here at San Francisco Ballet. We are coming to the end of our season. We've had a wonderful season here in the Opera House, and um, we are starting to prepare for the summer. Um, talk to us about um, all the exciting things that happen in the summer. Um, for those of you who don't know, we are in the Opera House from Nutcracker until May, and then we're still very busy, even though you don't get to see us on stage. Um, we are a world-class company, and San Francisco Ballet tours um, to Iceland this summer, uh, as well as all the way across town to Stern Grove. So what are we doing this summer, and what are some of the exciting things that our company dance have to look forward to. First of all, thank you very much for being a part of our season and every season. Um, we are very proud of the way we've done this season. I feel that um, it's hard to top a good season and then we go into the works and innovations and, and repetitions of, of titles that have um, had success and created a buzz. And that in itself is an enormous responsibility to try to create and, and that buzz and, and to satisfy you with you know, the standard performance that you've seen the year before. And um, the season comes to an end, but it doesn't mean that we stop. You know, there is a break, but um, the works, the works continue to live in, in, in our hearts and in our minds, and we look forward to the things that have been scheduled um, for, the, for next season, for 2017, which promises to be a killer season. Uh, and I mean it in a good way, you know. Uh, it'll be a healthy season, knock on wood. Um, but it's going to be really dynamic, full of surprises and new choreography and, and uh, re repeating uh, ballets that we should be dancing and the company really excels at and we want to show ourselves again looking this good. Um, the, in the meantime, the most immediate plan is Helge taking uh, the company to Iceland, uh, where he's from, and um, after that, we do the Stern Grove after we come back from a break. Uh, we're also preparing to go to Washington, D.C. with Cinderella, and we're very, very excited to do that, um, especially since we have the company, basically, that when it was created, um, you know, I'd say about 70% of the company. Part of the things that are happening with inside the company, um, it's also that some of our principal dancers have retired, as you know, and it opens up the door for great opportunity for the upcoming talent. 
And as these youngsters have had the opportunity to watch the experience, the answers, and, you know, and ready to step down, they themselves are look, looking really, really good, and there have been some very exciting promotions and in the company, which you shortly will get to read about, but I will tell you the company, um, it's going to change, and there's a lot of new talent also coming up the ranks and from outside, so um, that's part of my job uh, with Helgi, and I'm very, very proud uh, to, you know, be, have this the responsibility of looking at talent which gets auditions, we get auditions from all over the world, constantly, and one dancer more beautiful than the other, and um, it's a difficult job because on picking a dancer, it, you know, it's not just your talent, it's what kind of company we have, the kind of repertoire that we're dancing, uh, the dancers that we have in comparison to your uh, abilities as a dancer, and then also, uh, let us not forget when, you know, when the dancers audition, they're coming to audition for Helgi Thomason. So it is his decision ultimately and his picking. So I just bring forth the, the possible good dancers. And it's a fascinating process because um, it's also a lot to do with chemistry. You know, you could say, oh, I want to dance for American Ballet Theater. Um, but when you get to American Ballet Theater and you see the company and the rep and, and, and you meet the personalities there, it's a, chem a chemistry thing, you know, whether you click or not. So um, that's a process that's happening and it's very, I'm very, very, very excited. Um, I love working with, with a company and going through their life and their career, but it's also a beautiful thing to uh, inherit new talent. So, um, and then we do a three-month period where we stage the new works and we save the works that we've already done for a little bit toward the end of this period but uh, it's a very demanding period because this is when we work the hardest you may be working on two or six pieces at the time learning new music experiencing physically um you know uh, an arthur pita contemporary vocabulary or maybe you are part of our upcoming Frankenstein. And that is a humongous full-length work, which we're all very excited about, but it's a lot of information. Uh, and so that's what we do, until we get to Nutcracker to do our 32 shows of Nutcracker. Just a few shows. Um, to learn more about this exciting season that Ricardo is talking about, um, you can look in our program books, page 61 at the back. Um, we have a lot of premieres that are coming up, um, new works, and of course, a co-production with the Royal Ballet of Frankenstein, which opened a few hours ago in, in, in London. So very exciting. About and Helgi is in, in London for it. And so we're all very excited to hear from him how he liked it. Um, to learn more about Frankenstein, you can actually, uh, they had a studio rehearsal that was um, streamed online, so you can go to the Royal Ballet's website to get a glimpse of Liam Scarlett working with the dancers to kind of see um, the process that our dancers are also going through when they work with him, so very exciting. Um, we are running out of time, and I do want to open it up to questions from the audience, so if you do have a question, please keep it brief um, and to one question per person so we can get to as many people as possible. Yes, right here in front. The question was, at what point in a dancer's life do you realize that you're an artist? Um, 
When you dedicate your undivided attention to something, you're already so far in. To me, everybody's an artist. You know, whether you label it, whether you want to, to ten, what kind of an artist you are, but um, when you get, when you come, say for instance, you're in a school and you're on, you know, at whatever level, you've already have an, an artistic input into what you are doing. Being physical and learning ballet technique and dancing to music and learning the structure of, 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 of ballet is already being artistic. I feel that I've been an artist since I am six years old. Beautiful question, thank you. Uh, yes, in the red. So um, the so uh, the comment was about how wonderful um, and how much we are going to miss um, three of our principal dancers who are retiring, uh, Joanne, Gennady, and Pascal. And then she's interested in information that you can share, that you can share with audiences. Um, Gennady will be joining Atlanta Ballet as the artistic director. What about Pascal and Joanne? Well, the, the love you uh, have for Gennady, Pascal, and Joanne is shared by all of us. We adore them. And they have been a, a milestone for what the company has been able to perform and the works and the way they've performed. They're very unique in their own right. Um, Gennady, artistic director, fantastic fit. Um, Pascal is going to be teaching for this school at the time. I don't know, I should have asked Pascal, but uh, he's got a couple of uh, important things to do in the city artistically, and I don't feel in, free to, in liberty to say. And Joanne is going to be teaching, um, which would be really, really great. He's been such an amazing dancer that uh, whoever he teaches you, it's a relief to know that he will be sharing all that information. And we're really going to miss them. So, um, you know, a big round of applause to, to their careers with the ballet. Uh, yes, in the back, yeah. I'm, I'm sorry, I, I couldn't hear you. Oh, can we share that? Um, unfortunately, we can't answer that question, but keep an eye out. Um, as far as who's coming to join the company, um, keep an eye out during the summer, I think. Sorry, I just I got you all excited and then <laughs> I didn't tell you <laughs> whom. It's top keep secret, top secret, yes. Oh, we're not allowed to um, There's share five that of yet. them uh, who have been con uh, new contracts and there's four promotions, which you'll hear in due time. We're trying to keep your interest over the summer. Don't forget about us during the summer. Yes, in the back. Yeah. 
So thank you. She's saying how gorgeous the production is, and it is very, very beautiful. And she's asking, um, why do we not have a DVD of it? Um, and I know that uh, we are coming close on time. So unfortunately, we don't have a DVD available of Cinderella at this time, or of Onegin, or even Romeo and Juliet. But um, but, but yeah. <laughs> Over again, I understand, yeah, and this is a very complex answer. Uh, we run out of time, we have to go. But uh, yes, we all dream for all our full-length ballets, just as we recorded Romeo and Juliet last year, um, that we get to do Onegin, and we'll, I'm with you. We'd love it for that to happen in the future. Um, on behalf of everyone at San Francisco Ballet, thank you for supporting us, for coming out and supporting our dancers, our musicians, everyone backstage, our ballet masters. Um, San Francisco Ballet would not be the company we are today without your support. So thank you. Ricardo, thank you so much for joining us. Enjoy the performance, and we'll see you next time at the ballet.